Hey homies, it's Michelle Bennett, graphic designer, turn marketer, turn interior decorator, and apparently now podcast host. That's right, peeps. I selfishly started a podcast so that I would have an excuse to pick the brains of designers, decorators, and industry experts so that I can get to the next level. And the best part is you guys are coming with me. All right, guys, I'm here today with Jacob Medina from Medina Designs. How are you, Jacob? Thank you for being here. I am excellent. Thank you so much for bringing me on. I've been listening to all of your shows, and so I am extremely excited to be part of the, pro- the podcast. I'm so freaking pumped. We I don't even know how we started talking, but we've been like messaging on Instagram and you went above and beyond for me last week or two weeks ago when you... So I'm going to give everybody a little update. I'm in the middle of my own renovation in my own house. So as many of you know, I'm a decorator. I don't do renovations, but I am renovating my house after zero... I've never renovated my own home before, nothing. And so we got a quote and I was just like, I think we're trying to be priced out of this project. And so Jacob being the nice guy that he is, basically said, hey, send me the quote. I'll have a quick peek. Um, Let me know the scope. And he gave me his thoughts and feelings on whether he thought it was high. So I so appreciate it. Of course. I mean, I feel like the design community can be a little bit challenging because sometimes people are really like close-knit with their knowledge and they don't really like to share. Mm -hmm. So like I'm reaching out to like any designer I can find that's either here or in other states or in other countries and trying to just build a relationship that way, if I have a question or vice versa, like we have someone to turn to. Um, It's that like rising tides, um, was it lifts all boats, right? Is the JFK quote. So I'm like, I just try to be as free with my information and knowledge as I can to help someone out because someday I'm going to have a question and I'm going to call you or text you and then you can help me. So absolutely, karma. Karma. Yes. Design karma. We have to be friends here, right? Like, (laughs) it's also the mentality of like, um, you know, uh, abundance. And, you know, as soon as you start to think and put out, it's cheesy, but putting out in the universe, like, oh, I have to hold this so close because, like, if somebody else knows it, then that client's going to go there. But at the end of the day, there's enough for everybody. And if we can all just help each other, then we're all going to be in a better place. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I feel like, especially now with like social media, like you can connect with people, right? Like that's how you and I got to talking. Yeah. Like Instagram makes the world smaller, but also like it exposes you to all these new clients. And whenever you're giving them like little tidbits on Instagram or you're talking with them about projects, like they feel like they get to know you and they get to understand like who you are as a person. I think in the end, like people want to work with a designer that they like their aesthetic, but they really want to work with a designer that they like. Right. And that they enjoy being around. And so I'm like, and that's kind, like that's me. I'm like, be a nice person. (laughs) I agree. And at the end of the day, that's so true. It's like, um, I I find that regardless of, you know, your, I mean, to some extent, your process, your work, all of that speaks for itself. But at the end of the day, the client is going to pick the better person personality wise, that's going to work for them regardless. So, you know, that's kind of what we want anyway. Right. Have you found... Have you found that reaching out, have you had any designers that you've reached out to that like, or, okay, here, here's, I don't know if this happens to you. Sometimes I'm like watching stories and I'm like, Ooh, I want to ask where that's from. Yeah. And I get a little hesitant to do that because every now and then when I have, I get like 
the cold shoulder a little bit. And have you had any of that? So yes, I have. And for me, it's kind of like, it's about developing the network. But yeah, there's designers where I reached out and they were doing something amazing. I'm like, where was that? How did you find it? And they just go, oh, I found it in a local shop. And they're like really short. So clearly they don't want to be like helpful or give you the advice. So I kind of just like scratch them off of my mental list. Yeah. Just move on. For me, I'm like, if you don't ask, like you don't know, right? They're, totally. you know, they may tell you yes, they may tell you no. But I'm like, I just always ask. And there's some people I'm like, I try to get little like lunch and learns together. where like maybe five designers will go to a new showroom and we'll have a lunch and learn. And we'll talk about, you know, all the different things. And I try to invite people I've never met. I'm like, hey, there's six of us going. If you want to come with us, you know, you're more than welcome. Oh, no, thanks. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like you don't have to be, you don't have to come. I'm just trying to be nice and invite yeah. everyone. Totally. I love that idea. I feel like I need to do that a little bit more actually. Because as a solo, a lot of showrooms, like, yes, they will come in, they will sit down with you, but like, they don't want just one person to come in. Yeah. And, you know, like one time I went and they had um, shrimp cocktail and cookies and guacamole with chips. Like they had this huge spread for us. And if it was just for one person, there's no way they would have done it. Yeah. But there were six of us. Yeah. Right. So there were six of us. At least it was a small group. We each got a goodie bag with like um, a pen and a scarf and like a notepad. It was like the best one I've ever been to. <laughs> that's awesome. And I find too, people are going to ask questions you might not think of. And you're like, oh, damn, that's a great question. I never thought yeah. of. And um, also it makes you feel a little bit more. Sometimes I'm intimidated. Like I still got that mentality where certain showrooms, I'm like, I'm not worthy. This is a high-end showroom. I don't think I can step foot in there. But when I show up with like four other designers, mm. I feel much more courageous about it. Yeah. I mean, especially like for me, so like I was not formally trained. So like whenever I kind of broke into the design field, it was in a little bit of like a lower end market, right? I got a couple of like, you know, jobs you keep, you know, going up and up the ladder, but yeah, exactly. Like I was going to every place that was like really inexpensive just because I was definitely, I was terrified to go in there and you're like, Oh, everything in here is, you know, for tile, like 75 to a hundred dollars a square foot. I'm like, there's no way I can afford it. So what's the point of wasting their time? But like, now that I've gotten into my like experience, I found that like, there's a place um, called materials marketing. I don't know if you guys have that there, but most of their stuff is like 75 to a hundred dollars. And I used to never go in. Well, I got invited to come in one time and just sit down and talk with them. And I was like, look, I, can't be spending 75 to a hundred dollars on tiles because it's a commercial project. I have a five to $10 price range for most things and a few accent tiles that I want to spend like 30 or $40 a square foot. And she was like, yes, I know that we're known for having high end stuff, but let's sit down. We sat down and in three hours we had designed and picked out tiles and various price points for the entire project. So like out of fear, I never went in there, but just by going in there one time and like just sitting down and being like honest and saying, oh, Hey, yeah. I can't be doing 75 to hundred dollars square foot. Like we're trying to, you know, keep costs low. What can we do? And she's like, Oh, we have stuff. It's just not on our like display case. We have to, you know, yeah. move things and pull it out of the back. But we did the whole stuff and it's all like quality materials shipped in from Italy. I mean, it just worked out so well. And it was just for me going in there and saying, Hey, can you please help me? <laughs> and now amazing. they're like one of my preferred vendors. That's, that's amazing. Okay. You touched on this a little bit. I would love okay. it if you could share with the listeners and obviously with me, 
your backstory. How long have you been in business? What did you used to do? Just, yeah, fill us in. So my business is, will be three years old in January. Um, so I was pre-med, like my degree is in biology. Wow. Um, my mom was a nurse and then she was always like, you know, they want you to be successful. And so they're like, oh, go be a doctor. Right. So I was yeah. pre-med. Um, I got all the way up to applying to med school and was like, this is not for me. Like, I do not want to do this. And I was working at a hospital at the time and I kind of quit my job at the hospital and started bartending part-time to kind of like find myself quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) And I had no idea what I wanted to do. Well, one of my friends who was a doctor at the hospital, she had hired a designer and they had kind of started and she had given the designer a check for like 10 grand. Well, that designer dissolved her company, took her 10 grand, moved out of state, never to be heard from again. Wow. So she's a doctor making very good money and was like, because of this, this experience, she had a sofa, she had a dining room table and she had like box rings and mattress on the floor. And she lived like that for two years, right? Like her house basically empty. And she had like some art on the walls. Um, And she was like, look, you have good taste. I trust you. She's like, the biggest thing is like, I trust you. I need someone to help me. Like, can you help me design my house? And I was like, uh, I've never done this for anyone else. I'm but like, like made her think to do that. She just was like, I know you have good taste. Had you expressed yeah. interest in it before? Never. What? That's never. Crazy. I had never expressed interest. And I was literally like, like would be sitting there and going, I don't know what I want to do with my life. I have zero idea what I want to do. She's like, Hey, will you help me do this? And I was wow. like, okay. <laughs> wow, I was like, sure, why not? Mind blowing. So we like sat down and sat down a budget. And then I started pulling together mood boards for her. And then we started doing like sketches and layouts. Um, and I just kind of started doing budget allocations for things. And then I just kind of started choosing. It was a little bit of a, like, I didn't have my processes down then. Cause yeah. I was just like, let's go shopping here and let's go here and we'll figure stuff out. And I'll send you, um, I had, you know, I print out like five chairs and we'd pick out the one that she liked best. And, and so that's how I got started. And I was like, this is what I could do. Like, this could be it. Wow. And like, yeah, you should do it. So like I started my business, like while I was in the process of designing her home and then just started figuring out what I could do to make it a job. Yeah. So like for a year I worked part-time at the bar and then I worked part-time designing while I was kind of like getting things built up. Um, and it just kind of like grew. Like it just kind of like grew into like this business. And that's really how I got started. Like the most and, random way. And was that three years ago then her, that project? Or yeah. did that happen like longer ago than that? Uh, I, so I want to say it started in like March of that year. And then I decided to start my business in June. So it was like three months of me working with her before I said, okay, let me, let me start turning this into a business. Um, wow. and that's when I kind of like, I mean, I didn't really get a ton of projects because like hers, she ended up having some problems with her house as far as like construction stuff. So she had to put the design on hold. So we got like 90 or 85% of the design work done. So I never really got to photograph it. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't able to use it as like a portfolio project, but that was literally kind of how I fell in love with design and just kind of started from there. That's the, that's like probably the coolest start story I've ever heard because it's like you did, it's like, she's like an angel who came and told you like that helped you figure this out. Like that didn't happen. Who knows? Like, I wonder if it, 
So, I have zero idea where if, if it wasn't for <laughs> asking that, I have no idea what I would be doing right now. Like zero. Like maybe idea. it would have also like come to be, but maybe it would have just been slower. But what yeah. was the budget? Do you remember what you guys? Seventy five thousand. How much? So seventy five thousand. Your first project. I think back to my first like how would a shit show my first seventy thousand project seventy thousand dollars, and that was after like a lot of projects I had already yeah. done, like small, like what were your biggest ahas when you did that? Like that you were like, well, I'm never doing that again. Uh, a lot of it was like using retail, like only like, I was like really only using retail because I wasn't um, like, we didn't really grow up with like a well-designed house or anything. So there were brands that like I'd never even heard of. Like at the time, if you were like, Oh, this is from Hickory chair or Baker or I don't know, like who, who were these people? Like, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Like, I just had no idea. Yeah. So, like, I was going to, like, Mitchell Gold, and I was going to, um, like, all these different places and just trying to, like, use retail only. And it wasn't until, like, later on – I actually have another good story. So, I was, like, at the bar hustling, and I was, like – I would pass out business cards to everyone. They, like, talking about You're furniture. Amazing. I'm, like, here's my business card. You call me. And – I was, I was doing that to a couple and there was another lady sitting next to them. She was like, Oh, did you say you're a designer? And I was like, yeah, I am like a little bit nervous. And she was like, me too. And I was like, shit. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I'm busted. She's going to call me out. And she was like, um, here's my business card. Call me later. And we'll, we'll talk about your, uh, your business and stuff. And I was like, okay, random. So I, she gave me your business card and she was like, Hey, like where, you know, where, where are you at in your business? How much are you charging per hour? What are you doing? And I was like, I'm charging $45 an hour and I'm brand new. And she was like, okay, now she's like, you need to start charging hundred dollars an hour. Meet me at the showroom. I'll walk you through. I'll tell you how to like, <laughs> yes, like literally an angel. Another uh, angel. <laughs> yeah. Two, like two for two. I have three. I have three oh different God. ones. Um, and so she like kind of showed me around. She gave me a list of all of her like contractors, her plumbers, electricians, her upholsterers. And she's like, here's the ones I like to work with. And I was like, oh my God, lady, like, who are you? And how are you saving my life how right now? How old was she? Is she? She was in her, probably her mid fifties. Um, so she was like dialing back her business. Okay. And she was like, I have a wealth of knowledge. I'm slowing down my business. I would love to pass this knowledge on to you. And if you really need something, call me. And I was like, okay, cool. Oh my God. What's the third one? I need to know. So the last one is, so right before I quit the bar, I again was hustling and anyone who was having any kind of project I was trying to get brought on because I was just trying to get experience. And one of my regulars was like, hey, um, we're about to renovate our master bathroom and our kitchen. We flipped like, they're like, we flipped like four houses in the past. We know how to do all this. We could do it ourselves, but we're busy. So we want to bring you on as designer slash product manager. We will walk you through the renovation process and teach you about that. And you can help and you can help us design and do these projects. And I was like, oh my God, like, yes, let's let's do this. So of course at the time I was charging like $75 an hour. And yeah. I put in like a whole bit of like total of like $2,800 or $3,000 for like the whole job, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, I've been there. Like basically giving away my services for free. But I mean, it was okay. Like it was, um, and it was a really good project. I mean, they were spending like 30 grand on their master bath and they had like a $70,000 budget for their kitchen. And she like, you know, I would like present all the design stuff. I really started polishing my renderings with her 
and different things. And it went really smoothly, but like the renovation was a mess. Not, not really my fault. She had hired a, she had hired like a couple of people already before I was brought onto the project. Like one of them being like a cabinet company. Mm -hmm. She'd already signed a contract and like firmed up like the layout for it. So all I did was like pick like countertops and cabinet color, right? Not like anything to do with that. Um, God, that was such a mess. (laughs) Like, Mm. um, so she was like my saving grace because I learned a ton. Like in that project, so when we started doing the install for the cabinetry, and I didn't realize this because I didn't really do any double checking because they were the cabinet company, they had the drawings, it was already like done in my eyes. The measurements were wrong by like 10 inches one way and like 12 inches another way. So they're like bringing in these cabinets to install them. They're like all wrong. There are like, and the cabinet installers had already like secured them to the ground and everything. So they had to be like ripped up and started new. It was such a mess. So (laughs) the aha moment there is don't trust your trade people. Okay. Always double check them. (laughs) I'm like literally (laughs) noting this right now because now I'm freaking out because you just assume we should never assume anything. That's, that's a really good. I mean, and that was one of those, like, it was my quote unquote first renovation. So you're going into, she went and she knew, she's like, Hey, I know you're coming into this, like as a learning experience. So I'm going to tell you, and of course, like I'm going into this, like, okay, we can trust everyone. I'm super naive. I'm like the cabinet people have it right. They're the cabinet people they know. Yeah. And it was just that this company was so busy that they just didn't care. Like the, like they were supposed to come out and check all the cabinets and check measurements and, and okay. The insult, they never came out there once. They never came out to the project. Not one time. So I was like doing all the checking and the measuring and sending it back to them in email. And one time I was like, Hey, these are wrong. I'm really upset. It's the second install. They're still not right. And all they sent back was that's unfortunate. So I was like, Oh my God. And here I am like this brand new, like, you know, brand new at renovating and the clients are upset and this company that they have hired is just like, sorry, too bad. So sad. Wow. But I I find it absolutely shocking how certain, like I know how I handle my mistakes and it's like, I'm going to make it right on my dime. And I I find it really insane that most, like not all companies have that philosophy they did end up paying for it and yeah. they did kind of like um adding in some stuff for free so because like there was a 10 inch you know discrepancy in the measurements i was like hey can we add a spice rack like a pull out spice rack in here and they're like okay fine we'll throw that in for free and then like in the other space that there was like an extra like 12 inches they added like another like some kind of cabinet to fill that gap and they right. didn't charge them from that because it was their fault. Right. Um, so they did make it right. They just were kind of rude about it. <laughs> like, yeah. They were for it's sure not happy. Yeah. So just to share with the listeners, um, we, we're we going to talk about renovation-based stuff here today. And we're obviously getting into it now. But I just uh, we just got a little sidetracked because oh, yeah, sorry. you're amazing and I love it. Um, but okay, so... Jacob was nice enough to send me some some topics that he wanted to talk about or or talking points. So do you want to tell us a little bit about, you said there was a client who insisted we start a reno without finding the match to the floor. So so basically where he's going to share with us some key like takeaways from some some mistakes, we'll call it, right. from previous projects. 
And so like, okay, so first off, let me say, I in no way think of myself as like a renovation guru. I'm only, like I said, almost three years into this business, but from newbie to newbie, I feel like there's a lot of good things, right? Because like, I'm still in the learning phase and the learning curve versus someone who's probably been in doing it for like 10 years. They probably forget some of their earlier mistakes. Yes. Um, And, And those nuggets that now are just like, they don't even think to articulate them because it's just like, Muscle memory. And so, so I agree. This is great. So like for all of my clients, I tell them all the time, like we need to have all of our material in a warehouse or somewhere before we start swinging a hammer. I was like, because you don't want something to, you know, it's like, what if you get a shipping notice or, or what if you, the faucet order comes in back ordered by like six weeks and you've already done demo and you have no faucet or the cabinets come in back order. So like in this case, the lady was going out of town um, for the holidays and she wanted us to start the demo while she was gone. So we could get some of the work done while she was on vacation. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Hey, we still don't have, you know, a couple of things in the warehouse yet. I really feel like we should wait. And we haven't found a match for your flooring because it was like, do you guys have lumber liquidators there or like, I don't any think so. Like, but- so it's like a half priced flooring company. Basically it's any flooring that's low in stock or they stopped carrying they get like a little bit of it. So they maybe will have like 2000 square feet of this one floor and they'll sell it for like, you know, 70% off the retail price. And so she had had those, she had some floors like that. And so we couldn't find any to match because they were really difficult to find. And she was like, no, it'll be fine. I'm sure that we can figure it out. Let's go ahead and start demo. And I'm like, okay. So the builders tore apart her kitchen. And now like we were supposed to finish um, like the second week of January on this project and everything is done, but like, there's like patch of the floors that aren't there because they can't find the floors and they found some that kind of match and they installed them without me seeing them first and they look terrible. So of course, when I go in there, I'm like, Hey, um, Mr. GC, you know, supervisor, this is not right. Like I get that your tradespeople thought it was okay and they okayed it without either of us seeing it, but this looks crummy. And he came in and was like, yeah, so it had to be all ripped out. And now we have to get the floors specially fabricated and it's going to be a three week fabrication time. So like if we would have just like known about that before we started the renovation, we could have had them start the fabrication for these floors at the very beginning. That way, whenever we're done, we could install them not dragging this process out an extra six weeks all because we were trying to start demo like on a very strict timeline. Yeah. Oh my God. I was like, but I mean, she kind of takes, she does take some responsibility for it because she understands that she pressured us into starting. But I'm like, if you would have just listened to me, we, we could have avoided this. You know what? It's so funny. Okay. So you're saying that you get all of the finishes ordered so, like, you're saying plumbing, flooring, like, hardwood tile, backsplash. You you wait for all of that to be arrived and in a warehouse somewhere before demolition starts. Yes. That is that is one of my policies. Um, it doesn't even, like, so some people want to hold it, like, in a guest bedroom or, like, okay. their side room. Like, if they don't want to pay for a warehouse fee and they want it shipped to their house or they want it delivered, I want it to at least be, so say if I'm getting tile from dial tile you know i want it to be in the local warehouse that way it can be picked up or somewhere that's easily accessible because 
some faucets may take 12 weeks or 10 weeks to deliver. You know, if it's a special order, um, you know, range, you know, like we, I ordered a range from France. It was like a 16 week delivery time. And it was actually behind by four weeks because of the holidays. Mm-hmm. So it was like, if we would have planned it for the 16 week delivery time, you know, and start a demo like that, we would have not had an oven or a range like in the warehouse for an extra four weeks. So I get everything somewhere locally that it's accessible. It's been checked. It's, you know, accounted for before I start the demo. And that's just something that I learned because it, it just can cause so many issues. Okay. Noted. And also like explain like the delivery time. Cause a lot of people just think like a lot of clients, for me, like I have like a process sheet that estimates like how long a renovation can take. And I'm like, here's your, whatever it is, like 18 week process. And I'm like, okay, if I start designing, it could take me four weeks for design to six yeah. weeks, design, depending on how many rooms we're doing. Right. So four to six weeks for design. And then if we order a lot of times things come in in like two or three weeks, but depending on what it is, it could be six weeks. So mm-hmm. that right there is 12. And then another like eight weeks of, you know, of renovation or six weeks yeah. of renovation. So right there, you're at like 18 weeks. And they're like, oh my God, I never thought about that. I'm like, yeah, it takes a lot longer than what I you know. think. Like, it's not like this, oh, I'm renovating my bathroom. Let me start in three weeks and it'll be done in three more weeks. Like it takes a while. Yeah. I, do you ever get called? Like, I, I think it was uh, probably like three weeks ago. I had a, cl- a lead call. She sounded lovely. Mm-hmm. Now, it pained my heart to, but you know, they were in the middle of a reno and decided they needed designer help. And I'm like, okay, great. But you know, the reality is I have a current workload right Mm -hmm. now and I can't start until whatever date. And from there it's six, I do six to eight weeks now for, to presentation. Um, I'm like, you know what? It's, I, I get my drapes. A set of drapes for a room takes six to eight weeks. Mm-hmm. It's going to take six to eight weeks for me to pull together an entire design for you is my new philosophy. Yeah. And then from there, like, and, and you know what? It was, a, it was one of my podcast episodes. I talked to, um, her name uh, is Anna or Anna. I could be pronouncing that right. She was the one who said this. I was like, well, that's smart because then I can, I can at least say I'm getting started earlier, but maybe I can't actually start in my own like calendar yeah optically it looks like i've started you know to the client and they're in the books but i'm really maybe not able to start and i can like juggle more projects in my calendar that way but um but people they just they want they contact you and they're like i want this uh, we need it right away we have a contractor starting in two weeks you just can't do it and thank god for these podcasts because if you would have like probably eight months ago Mm -hmm. i was like telling yes to everyone because like you had that like pain in your heart and you just want to help them they seem so lovely but you're like and you tell everyone yes and then someone gets you know put on the back burner and that's not fair to clients who are already working with you so like you said now you have to tell them no like i did same thing i did a guy call two weeks ago and he's like oh i want to start in a week i'm like yeah if you want to wait till you know middle of march like yeah, that's probably doable, but I, I just can't. And he's like, are yeah. you sure? I'm like, I have clients who are counting on me. I can't set them aside to start a new project. Yeah, I'm like, would you want me to do that to you? Wasn't right. And he's like, no, I guess not. I'm like, yeah, if you want to wait, he's like, well, I really don't. I'm like, well, thank you so much for calling. Bye. And like, you know? good luck finding a designer that can start tomorrow. 
I have, so I offer two hour consults. Um, I typically don't do them for renovations, but if someone's like really in a jam and they're like, look, I just need you to come out here and like maybe point out a couple of like, I have four tiles. Like, can you just tell me which tiles you think would go with this flooring? Sure. I can come out for two hours and point you in the right direction, but it's like, I can't design your whole entire bathroom in two hours. But if you're really tight and you really want to work with me, I can be like, here you go. Here's some direction. Yeah. Um, I have, luckily I haven't had to do that because I try not to. I know Um, it's, it's a lot because, um, sometimes those, those, those types of clients I find for me, like they're more like the DIY. They have these high expectations of what we, they, they show up, you show up with like a list that's like the length of my arm and it, and it's like, okay, I need to manage your, and I do my best, very, my very best to manage expectations. Like I can't design your house. In two hours, I can give you ideas. They're not even validated ideas either, though. Like, there's a there's a process for us, like, idea. And then you validate. And sometimes it's like, oh, you know what? It's not going to work. Because yeah. you go through a process of, like, measuring. So what I do with, this is kind of, like, off topic. But, like, when I do my two-hour uh, consults, and I don't do very many of them, so I'm not, mm-hmm. like, the best at this. But like I said, I try to manage expectations. So I'm like, you have to have a Pinterest or a house or a PowerPoint mood board of some kind that you have to send me beforehand. So like the last one I did, she had sent me one and I went through and I picked three images, right? And I'm like, I see these common themes and your style. Here's the three that you need to focus on. And then we like kind of talked about layout of like her living room. Like I busted out my tape measure and I'm like, okay, you need a nine by 12 rug. And I'm like, and I had my blue tape yeah. and I stop like, okay, here's where a chair goes over here. And you can maybe put a bookshelf here. And I'm like, you know, tape measure. I'm like, okay, yeah. let's do the height of your curtains. Okay. You need curtains this high and maybe in a, this color pattern. And just kind of give her like broad ideas. Cause she for sure is like a DIY person. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Like, and I'm like, send me a list of like questions. And if it's like 40 long, I'm like, we're going to focus on like five. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and that's what I tell them to do too. But um, I have done a lot of these and oh, okay. I have, um, and now it's like when someone's on a really bad, has a really bad budget, basically I do a consultation, but at this point it's like clients, I hate the question, like, well, what type of fabric would you do? Oh, that's, like, come on. There's I'm a million sorry. different fabrics and colors. There's, there's like... There, it's it's not a an, a singular decision to be made, or or what colors would you do? What color palette would you do? It's it's really hard to answer those questions without having like a starting point and a building yeah. off of point. Um, but now I'm trying to do less of those. And actually, Crispin Butterfield, who's been on my podcast twice now, she she's who's this? Crispin Butterfield. So she's based out of um, Kelowna. British Columbia and she's she's been in business for a long time what she started doing is she has a she offers consultations and it's exactly what you are saying where she will only do a consultation if you've already pulled together some of your own selections that mm-hmm. she's coming in to say this not that that you know yes. not come to your house and and then like so what would you do Exactly. I tell them the exact same thing. I'm like, if you have four dining room tables that you're in love with and three dining room chairs, print them out, have the specs ready. And if you have fabrics for them, you know, if you can get a fabric sample from CB2 or something yeah. wonderful, right. That, that, that is helpful. And we'll pick and choose them. I was like, 
but you can't just do a whole room in two hours. I mean, there's no, no it's insanity. I can okay, kind of give you a broad selection. Yeah. Well, and, it, and to me, it just feels scary to even give too many details in such a short period of time. Cause when it goes awry, like then they're going to be like, well, Michelle, was their yeah. yeah. And I don't want that liability when I cannot validate any of these ideas I'm giving you. It's very right. scary. Yeah. Um, okay. Sorry, off topic. No, that's okay. Um, let's go back to, you said you ordered a range from France. Oh my God. How did so, that happen? <laughs> that was, so that was the, um, the, my third angel, the one that like called me in for the renovation. She was like guiding me. She knew she wanted a high end range. Like that was her thing. She was like, I either want a Miel or maybe Thermidor or something. She's like, I want something with some interest. And she really does like cooking and there's only two of them. So we kind of like settled on the French ranges and we were between La Conche or La Cornu. And I kind of like started looking into them and I settled on the La Conche because I loved like how customizable they were because like in her one, you know, compact oven, she has a warming drawer, she has an electric oven and a gas oven. And I was like, that's amazing. Plus it comes with like all these extra benefits. Yeah. Um, like, you know, griddles that you can put over. I mean, all the high-end ones too, but I just loved it. Plus it was beautiful. It was powder blue with brass mm. accents. And I was like, oh, this freaking oven is just amazing. So how much was it? $14,000. US. So like yeah. twice set for Canadian. That's crazy. But I mean, well, it was from France. So I don't know if the exchange. Canadian. Yeah. So but US, it was like 14,000, but the La News are like 30. They're like, they're, I mean, they're pretty pricey. So, I mean, yeah. it was the exact same price as getting like a sub-zero range, but this one was like way prettier. Yeah. Um, and it was a little bit of like, it was really challenging for me because we had to change some of the electrical stuff in the kitchen to fit the, um, you know, the, the electrical outlets for France. Like they're all US oh, made. Wow. Okay. But you had to have like, it needed like a 240 versus a 220. I don't remember. It's been like two years yeah. ago. But we had to change some stuff up and there's no one in Houston that really knows a lot about them. And they're, and so with that company, they either deliver it to a warehouse or they deliver it to your house, like at your garage, but they won't even take it into your garage. Mm -hmm. So I had to have a moving team there with me to accept the range after I checked it to move it into the garage to, or into their like into the garage to store it while the renovation was happening. Oh, and then I had to have a second moving team come in and carry it to the second floor. Oh, wow. Where their kitchen was, you know, to install it. And the GC did not want to touch this thing. Like he was like, I'll install it. But I was like, well, are you going to level it or anything? He's like, no, I'm not. He's like, it's a specialty range. Oh man. He, he did not want to touch a thing with a 10 foot pole. So like I had to do all this research on like the leveling and making sure the installing was right and how to take the doors off and on. Like it was just a little bit challenging. I seriously spent, I think an hour and a half leveling that damn thing. Wow. <laughs> like, and, <laughs> and because like no one would do it and you can't call like a Houston, like there's no like Laconch Houston that you could call yeah. to come out and service it. Like they're like, Oh, they have one in California, which of course they're not going to fly out here to check this yeah. range. But they're like, we will send someone out if there's something wrong with it. But to do like normal maintenance, leveling, installing, we don't have anyone in Houston that will do that. 
So it's basically up to me to like to do all the research and then just figure it out. Yeah. Um, so as like a new designer trying to renovate their first kitchen and then getting this like really delicate, beautiful French range, yeah. it was terrifying. It's actually interesting that you say that because I'm working on a new build and it's a, it's a two hours away, this project. And um, the clients are smart enough to, to actually be saying things like, you know, we really only want, we want to make sure that our faucets are regular faucets that aren't like imported that can't mm-hmm. be serviced and things like that. And I think it's cause like in their, I don't, I think it's not the first home that they've built themselves. Yeah. But they've had these experiences where, and also because where they're building is somewhat remote, not remote, mm-hmm. but it's a very smallish town. So there's not a lot of like, you know, accessible type like trades to be able to do certain things and whatnot. So it's just interesting. Even things like that, like there's so many things to remember to be like for a checklist or whatever it is for every project, right? Like for every little nuance of, you know, well, I'm getting this imported stove. Well, it's like bring out the checklist, I guess, for imported Mm -hmm. appliances. (laughs) Like it's like, how do you, what have you been doing to manage those sorts of things for your business? Luckily, Laconche had their own checklist, so that was what? good, right? Nice. Um, so they did have their own checklist, which was really helpful. And the client was like, they were very aware before we bought this thing that, hey, if you need to get it serviced, it may be a while because there's only one person in Houston that does it. So they were very aware, aware and they were like, I'd rather have this beautiful stove. I don't care. Um, so I have like a general checklist that I have for renovation that kind of goes over like, it's like, you know, like all the, the main pieces of a renovation. So, you know, your, your plumbing fixture, your countertops, your hardware, your, you know, appliances. And I have like a list and then I'll go through and I'll have like a, like a price point that I can put in. So for creating like a budget, I can write in a price point. I also have like, um, like a, how like an end, like an inventory, what do you call that? Like just the amount. So if I need like hardware, you know, so I'm getting, hardware $10 a piece times 20. So I can kind of like figure out what my budget is. And I do have a checklist because you're going through and there's so many moving parts, right? Mm -hmm. There's so many moving parts. So I have a checklist and then I create a Google calendar um, that I try to include my clients in that has like a general, you know, a timeline because for me, it's the biggest challenge with renovation is setting expectations on timeline because HGTV has screwed us like not to be rude but they kind of have because you watch these shows and like oh i renovated this whole house in six weeks and now it's beautiful i'm like yeah that's not gonna happen like hgtv has like probably four building teams and millions of dollars backing them Mm -hmm. to get this done you know we have our you know sixty thousand dollars and one building team to do our kitchen yeah. It's going to take six weeks. Yeah. And, and really getting them to understand that has been a challenge. And then telling them like, look, there could be delays. Like, of course we strive, you know, to be on our timeline, but there could very well be delays and things could go wrong. But like, you kind of have to have like a little powwow with them when you first start be like, look, remember we're all a team. Like we're a team. We're all here for you. If something goes wrong, we're all here to make it right and to fix it and get things going again, because something's going to happen, you know, like you rip out a cabinet and you realize that the plumbing, you know, needs to be, you know, the plumbing is old and needs to be changed. And 
you know, yeah. now all of your contingency is gone and stuff like that. It just, it, it can be really rough and preparing them for that. You know, I try not to like scare them away when they're doing renovations, but I try to tell them like, look, this is a reality that we may have to face, you know, cross our fingers and pray to God that it doesn't, yeah. but you know, it's but, so like, that's the big learning that I think last year for me was a good client ex- experience for me is one that I have carefully managed expectations for. Yeah. And like the GC is like sitting down with them and going, okay, let's sit down and really put down a timeline together. Like how long will it take you for demo? You know, how many days you need for tile? Cause a lot of times they do only have, like they'll have one guy in there do a tile, the whole thing, you know, like they don't have a lot of, you know, it's not like they have the plumber and the tile guy and yeah. the countertop guy, like all in one day, you know, they really sometimes schedule one thing at a time, which can feel to the clients like things aren't getting done but it just can be really tough to manage multiple teams at once. Like you can probably do, you know, things like painting and touch up and cabinets all at once. Um, But just like explaining that to them and sitting down with the GC and saying, okay, realistically what teams will be in here and how long will it take them? Let's create a timeline for the clients. That way we can give it to them and they can, you know, feel comfortable with what's going on. You know, they just want to be kept in the loop. Yeah. And tell them like, hey, there may only be one guy here that's going to do tile today. I know it feels like nothing is happening, but, you know, this is just our process. Be patient. Um, Do things like like getting them back into a better mood. So I always try to like feel out my clients if they're getting really stressed. Give them like a 60 or $50 gift card to like a local restaurant, right? Mm -hmm. Like, or get bring over a bottle of wine for them and just be like, Hey, I know we're going through a renovation and it's kind of tough right now. Here's a gift card to a local restaurant. Like, you know, get out of the house and have a good meal and enjoy yourself. And then tomorrow we'll come back to this with fresh eyes and we'll, you know, hopefully be done soon. So I just try to like focus on little tidbits with the clients, like little gifts and things. Cause it kind of keeps them like excited, right? It kind of keeps them in a happier mood. And when they're not feeling so stressed about things, it tends, the project just tends to go a little bit smoother. Right. And so do you, would you say that most of your projects are renovation based? So it kind of comes in waves. So like last year, everything was like renovation and construction. And then this year, like I have, and then this year I've had one renovation and I'm about to start another one, but I've had a ton of decorating. Mm -hmm. So it's just very random. Like they're about half and half renovation and decorating but it kind of like comes in waves where it's like all i'm doing is decorating for a while and then for whatever reason it's like everyone is calling me to to do some kind of renovation or things like that and which do you prefer or do you like just both i really like both um i honestly kind of feel like i prefer decorating like i do love renovation i love that creativity and trying to push the boundaries and you know it's that kind of like puzzle of finding the right floors with the right shower surround and, and things like that. But I really do have a passion for decorating that I think will never go away. I just love all the fabrics and the beautiful accent chairs and, you know, the, the lamp that's so unique. And yeah, I prefer decorating, but I will never give up renovating because it's, it's, it's my second love. Yeah. Right. And it's so, um, Okay, I'm going to ask you this. I'm curious on your thoughts on this. Um, getting a design approved for something that's renovation-based. Yeah. 
versus getting a design. Okay, so you're presenting a, di- a kitchen yeah. design, no yeah. furniture, right? Kitchen design. So kitchen design. Yeah. Versus, so how like my process for that? No. So my, this, my question is, okay, getting it approved versus okay, how easy? And hopefully, I'm going to ask this question right. How easy? I have my theories, and I'm probably wrong. And this is. Um, how easy do you find it to get a kitchen approved versus an entire room of furniture slash art slash rugs slash fabrics approved? Ooh, um, that's that's a good question. That's tough. I feel My like it's kind of like, do you find that people are more particular about what they like and don't like with furnishing versus like tile? Yeah. Ooh. I have to like think about that for like just five seconds. Um, I don't have a sip of wine while you. Think. Well, I'm I'm a little bit jealous of your wine because I only have coffee here. And <laughs> what like, time I, is it for you? Because you do it's, that. It's for it's it's almost five p.m. Oh okay. Well yeah, yeah. it's almost six here. Yeah no, so we're only an hour different. I just have, don't have any wine at the house. Fair um, enough. Okay, so to answer your question, I feel like it's easier to get um, renovations approved. I do feel like that's the case, but I don't have real experience to say so, but that is my theory. So for me, I've kind of like, like for me, okay, this is my process of how I move about getting into renovations. So I don't know how you do this. So I usually try to like get them to like solidify like a layout. So if we're like, we're say I'm gutting a kitchen and they have this little small kitchen, we're going to take down a wall. We're going to, you know, add an Island and move things around. I get them to commit to, a layout before I start making selections. So my first process is doing, you know, an estimated cabinet drawing with the layout and how many pendants and things like that. Of course, things change and you kind of start selecting things, but I get them to, to approve that before I even start making selections. And then once that it like, so we get our builder to put in the bid you know, we give them his little construction draw, you know, the drawings, they put in a bid, we approve it. Then I start doing all the selections. So things don't really have to change as much after that because they already know kind of like what the kitchen will look like. Yeah. I do a basic rendering. Basically, everything is like white and gray. And my basic rendering to get them to approve the construction. Um, and then from there, I start making selections. Then I'll update the rendering as far as like what the countertops will look like. Um you know, what the lights and the faucets will look like and stuff like that. And then I just put together, like, I have a PowerPoint that I put together that has, you know, like little design boards of what everything looks like, plus larger images of the hardware and the faucet and, you know, things like that. And then I have all of my tiles and stuff. And I feel like it is a little bit easier to get them to approve um, the, the renovations because there's not as much things to, like, touch and feel. Right. Like, you know, it's like there's only going to be, you know, your floor, your paint color, you know, your backsplash, your countertops. There's not as much like, you know, touchy feely things. And I feel like that's really what drives people to like second guess stuff. They're like, is this the right fabric? Plus, I find another thing is that, well, this is my theory that clients have shopped for furniture and accessories. And, you know, they have like most general population have been able to go to a store to look at that but not as many people have gone to like identify like the different types of kitchens I could do so like Mm -hmm. 
this is my theory. Again, I'm just, I don't want to offend anyone for me to like assume it's, I, I really feel like getting someone to approve a sofa can be really difficult sometimes because there's the comfort of the sofa. Oh, yes. Like the roll of the arm. I don't like the this. I don't like the fabric. I now do one. Like, and it's just like, oh my God, it, it can get really crazy. Okay, I want yeah. to go back to something. Do you also, when you're, because again, I have no experience with renovations and I'm like trying to work my way through this like new build. But so let's use the kitchen, for example. Do you mm-hmm. sit down first and say like, what type of, how do you identify, like, what type of, do you want some open shelves, maybe? Do you want a drawer for knives? Like, how do you start to identify what the kitchen functionality needs to so, be? So I have, like, so in my process, and this is the same for um, decorating and renovating. So the first step is, like, okay, you meet with them, right? So you meet with them, you kind of, like, hang out with them, and you ask them some questions. I kind of run through my questionnaire. What is your life like? You know, do you have kids? Do you have dogs? Are you a red wine drinker? Are you going to be having parties of 30? You know, you know, really walk me through like a day in your life. How much organizing, like organize, I can't speak. How much organizing do you want? You know, do you care about those types of things? And I really try to get a feel for them, but I also try to take it like once a couple steps further. Like we'll go to a showroom. And we'll like, there's one here called expressions and they have like a couple of mock kitchens and they have some plumbing fixtures that we'll kind of just walk through and be like, okay, what do you think of this brass? What do you think of this chrome? Do you like this tub? And kind of like start to get, just get them talking and thinking about it. And then after that, I send them like some kind of concept boards, I guess. So I just pulled together PowerPoint and I'll pull like, a faucet in and I'll pull some tile in and I'll pull pictures of a kitchen and I send it to them and ask them to leave me feedback. And that's a really great tool because you start to get a feel for like what people are thinking. Like, so some people just kind of go through like the broad of it and they're like, Oh, generally this concept feels okay. Like I like this, you know, the metal on this faucet. And then other people will like dig into each like little image that you provide them and are like, oh, this hardware is crazy. And, you know, I don't like these tiles and, you know, the way they've done this and this, and they really like break apart each little thing. So that like that right there tells me, okay, they're going to want something that's like, they're going to have more of an opinion on the design. So I'm going to take these questions a little bit further and I'm going to ask them things, but like getting them talking with me a little bit more, because a lot of times like people will reveal like the things that you need in the design when they're not thinking about that. So like maybe take them like to a coffee shop and just like sit and chill with them, like get them out of their comfort zone. That's nice. Just, like, That's hard for me to do. I, I really like <laughs> because I don't want to. Oh wow! Hopefully clients don't listen to this. No, that's that's great. That's yeah. Good. Because like they'll like they'll reveal little tidbits and things they probably wouldn't tell you um, while you're asking them like design questionnaire kind of yeah. thing. So I try to do like a little bit of different things to get into their personality and their headspace. And like, if you're saying like open shelving versus not, like I may do like, you know, if I'm thinking about it, you know, maybe in the little concept board, I'll put a couple pictures of kitchens with open shelving just to see what they say. Right. And then whatever I'm doing, the construction drawings, I may have, you know, I'll put open shelving in an area and see how they feel about it. If they don't like it, then I'll just change it up with the cabinetry. Um, but I feel like the little, like having a PowerPoint presentation with like four or five slides of different things kind of gets them talking, meeting with them, like in a coffee shop somewhere that's not design related, just to kind of see how they live and what their life is like. 
and then taking them to a showroom to kind of like look and peruse and talk about that. things. Yeah. In those three things, I can usually grab like their personalities, right? And then take that and figure out some way to turn that into a unique design that's great just for them. Okay, and I want to, I have a few more questions for you because I don't want to hold you up much longer, but um, you keep talking about rendering. So I know you said you didn't formally get trained. Did you teach yourself a program? Yeah, so I have Chief Architect. So I tried using SketchUp. Um, SketchUp was not as intuitive for me. Like I do use it for like basic things. So like one of my clients, they are, they wanted a custom front door for their new construction. So I used SketchUp and I built a custom front door for them and, you know, built the model and sent it to the fabricator to be done. So I'll use SketchUp for small things, but for big renderings, I use Chief Architect. Uh, I feel like it's a little bit easier to grasp. Like there still is a learning curve and I haven't quite mastered it yet, but it was easier for me to understand. And literally I just use YouTube. Like there's so much chief architect information on YouTube and how to do things that I just sat there for like several hours and followed along and, you know, learned how to do it. So that's how I do my renderings. Okay. Cause I use chief architect also. Okay. I have to ask you this. Did you pay for both of these programs? Like isn't SketchUp expensive? So SketchUp was like 700, I think. Yeah. So I did, I did buy SketchUp and then I actually, I rent um the chief architect because it was like rent it like so you basically paid 250 dollars a month plus like their service fee which is like 40 dollars a month um dollars a month it's like 300 dollars altogether to to rent uh to rent chief architect versus just buying huh or do you mean per month no per month that's a lot no yeah the regular just to buy the license for the program was like $3,600. $3,600. Yeah. So I paid, I paid, oh, I got it for Christmas as a Christmas gift, but I only got, so you probably have the full blown chief architect. I do. Yeah. I do not. I only have the interiors version, mm-hmm. but so you do, do you do all your elevation drawings with chief architect? Yep. Yep. Yeah. See, I don't, that is not an option I have. I do yeah. all elevation drawings in Adobe InDesign, which is like, ridiculous but I used to be a graphic designer so I just that's what I've been doing but I've been thinking I need to I need to kind of get a more efficient way to create elevation drawings so it is expensive but it's super it's really efficient for me to use chief architect because like you do your layout you know with your and you have the cabinets and you you know you start with the basic and then you change the rendering you do your elevations I can provide you know cabinet schedules and lighting plans and everything to the builder like right there yeah. So for me, it is expensive, but I do enough renovations and I even use it for like decorating. Like if I'm yeah. doing curtains, you know, if I'm doing yeah. a curtain elevation, it's all right there. And I just found it to be like really easy. It's like one, two, three. Okay, great. Now I have my layout. I have my rendering. I have my cabinet elevations all in one program Yeah. because I was like you, I was using three different programs at, at one time. Yeah. Construction drawings. So I was like, it's just not worth it when yeah. you can't fill all that time. No, so it's I ridiculous, just, right? Um, okay, my last question for you is not related to renovations, but I'm curious. <laughs> can you, can you um, explain how your pricing model? Um, so, so, how do you? Yeah, do you do uh, hourly or or flat fee? I am hourly. So yeah. I am hourly. So right now it's so low. I'm 125 dollars an hour. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go up this year. I haven't decided how much. I'm honestly thinking about bumping it up to like 175. Nice. Um, only because I'm in a competitive market and right now I'm like one of the lowest. So if I'm doing like, I usually try to give people estimates. Like I give them an estimate with like a detail of like, okay, it's going to be a kitchen, a kitchen with, you know, the cabinet plan and everything with a rendering could be, you know, say 40 hours. Um, but also like a lot of that's dependent on like the GC. Yeah. The GC has like a cabinet guy who's going to do all their drawings and I just kind of like give them general guidelines. I don't have to do as much like construction documents. So there would be, you know, the hours could fluctuate and we kind of didn't really get into this, but whenever I'm doing hours for renovations, one thing I would definitely say to you is like create relationships with like the vendors and the showrooms and like the cabinet companies and the plumbing companies because of, and the lighting companies. Cause a lot of times if you build a good relationship with the rep, you can lean on them to help you assist with like selections Right. Mm-hmm. So if you're like, okay, I need a Chrome faucet and a price point of 500 to $800. They want it to be on the modern side. Can you send me three selections? Yeah. And they will like, and they'll go through their lists and they'll send you stuff. And for you to approve, if you don't like it, ask them to do it again. Yeah. But it, like before I was, you know, whenever I first started, I was like, I'm going to do everything myself. And I don't want to, bo- I really just didn't want to bother the people. Right. Yeah. With the questions and the help. But they're like, no, we want you to come to us. Like we want you to lean on us because they want you to shop there, right? They want you to spend those dollars there. So sometimes if I'm busy or if I'm having a hard time finding something, I will lean on the reps to help. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them have like cabinet, you know, they, they represent cabinet lines and they do all their own, you know, 2020 drawings. Yeah. And so you can have them walk the property and sit down with them for an hour and a half and they'll do all the cabinet drawings and you can, you know, work with them to make them perfect. So whenever yeah. I first started, I was kind of had to do it myself mentality only because I was, didn't want to bother the people at the showrooms. Now that I'm, you know, I've been doing it for a while. I'm like, Oh, I need help. I will call them. Like I will yeah. call them and they're so happy to help and they want yeah. to. Help. Um, and how many, okay. That wasn't my last question. Apparently. <laughs> um, uh, oh, my lost my question a lot. Oh, so when, okay, at the very beginning of a project, you're working with a client. So you're saying like, okay, based on the scope, Mm -hmm. I'm estimating 40 hours for your kitchen. Like, but what you're saying is like, that is only an estimate, but you know, it depends on how I assume like how. So I mean, yeah. So if we start adding in, like, what if we, you know, I'd say, okay, if I'm doing, you know, this basic cabinet plan and, you know, I think it's going to take, you know, five hours to do or whatever. And then they're like, okay, well, we really want to make this a little bit more specific. And like, I have an organizer that I work with, um, Mm -hmm. another person that you can lean on. So I will bring my organizer and and we will sit down for an hour and say, okay, let's jam pack this kitchen with knife, you know, like knife racks and cooking sheets and pull out this and spice racks. And, you know, okay, I wasn't planning on spending those hour, two hours with the organizer. So things like that will change. Yeah, yeah. But I just try to be really transparent with my clients if they're like, oh, well, we want to do this or they, you know, maybe need a little bit more time to decide or be coached into things. I just let them know like, hey, so I estimated, you know, 20 hours of design time, you know, for this specific phase of the project. We're at 19. I can foresee that we probably have another five more hours to go to get these things worked out. So we may go over into, you know, 
five hours over our, our estimate. Or if we want to keep it in our estimated price range, let's figure out how we can click, you know, quickly resolve these yeah. decisions and move forward. And yeah. that gives them the power to say, okay, you know what? I want to spend the time on this. Let's add some hours. Or you know what? I think I'm just, you know, really overthinking it and I'm fine with the way it is. Let's finalize it, move on, done. Yeah. So that's how I always present, um, you know, my estimates to my clients. And I always try to like overestimate a little bit, you know, especially with renovations, right? Because yeah. you, know, you know, like what happens if, um, you know, the tile guy needs more direction or something. Yeah. And I do try to meet with the contractor that they're going to work with. Yeah. Um, I, before I give them a formal estimate or if they haven't found one, I say, look, whenever we meet with our GC, we may need to revisit this because what if they need more handholding, you know, with the specified, you know, with my designs or yeah. something, you know. And do you, sorry, do you normally, your clients normally have their own contractors? Uh, I can refer them. So I have a few that I work with and I can refer them out, but if they have their own, that's fine. Yeah. I just always ask that. I, I mean, this is the same thing with constructions. Like I want to meet the builder. I would, I would like to meet the architect or at least have like a 15 minute phone call with them to see how they work um, and what their process is, how involved they need me to be, how not involved do they need me to be, you know, like how much construction drawings do they want? Yeah. Because if they have cabinet people or if they have their own team that maybe is doing, you know, cabinet renderings, I might not have to do that. And right. I can just be, you know, the hero that comes in and saves the day and says, move this cabinet here and add this here and change this that way. And, you know, the clients are super happy and it'll end up being beautiful. So I just try to meet with all the tradespeople and the professionals on the job around the time I put the estimate in so I can just have all the information. Got it. Some people need more and some people need less. Right. Okay. So is there anything else we didn't talk about that you think was like, okay, I really wanted to talk um, about with regards to renovations before we, we wrap up? So the good, better, and best budget sheet that um so that is a really good tool so whenever i whenever my clients send sign a letter of agreement and they pay my retainer i send them my like kind of a breakdown of my timeline and process for the renovation i have this for decorating as well and a good better and best checklist so i have i mean most kitchens start at like fifty thousand dollars right so an average kitchen renovation in the u.s is $60,000 plus or $50,000 plus. So I have like the breakdown of like how much it costs for the countertops, cabinets, labors and estimate in there, like, you know, things like that. And then I give them like little, you know, okay. So the starting faucet, maybe 600, the middle faucet, maybe a thousand dollars. And the next one, maybe $2,000 plus. Yeah. That really is helpful for them because a lot of clients don't understand how much things cost. Like I had a good friend of mine call me and she's like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm, I think I'm really ready to renovate my kitchen and I really need your help. Um, I'm going to need you to design everything. And I'm like, okay, great. Well, let's talk about timeline. She's like, you know, this, this, and this. I'm like, okay, let's talk about budget. I'd like to keep it no more than $12,000. I'm like, well, going by what you just, but she was like, I want to, you know, I want to rip out my Island and build a new Island, all new countertops, backsplash, all new appliances. And I was like, well, let's, you know, talk about your appliances. And she's like, well, I want these. I'm like, well, that's a $9,000 appliance package. Like right yeah. there. I'm like, so that only leaves you three yeah. grand 
for the rest. I'm like, you just don't, I mean, I don't want to burst your bubble, but yeah. you know, you don't have enough. And so providing them with this little like sheet can really start getting um, questions answered. Right. When you talk about budget. And I also like, I don't know if you guys have this in my, or in Ivy. So like in my Domo, we clip in like a picture of the product with a price point. Mm-hmm. Do you guys, is that what yeah. Ivy's? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I have a fake client set up in my Doma that's that I use whenever I go to a new client consultation. So if they're doing a renovation, I may pull it up and say, okay, here's my fake client. And on here is good kitchen, better kitchen and best kitchen. Mm-hmm. And so like, I may have a picture of a Delta faucet that costs, you know, $500 in my good kitchen. And yeah. then in my, you know, better kitchen, it may be, you know, Newport brass yeah. and then the beast it may be roll. So they can see like, you know, it's a budget sheet is great, but it's just numbers on a paper. Yeah. I love using my Doma, especially as a way to like really sell them like, Hey, you know what you're doing. And this could be a really good process. They're already, you know, on it showing them what these numbers actually mean as far as like products. Yeah. Like getting them thinking about like what the cost to benefit ratio of buying a $1,500 faucet versus a $500 faucet, like right there in the consultation. And they're like, yeah. Oh, I never really thought about that. So I use that a lot with all of my clients and it's such a powerful tool because they don't, they really just don't know what things cost. Yeah. I know. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like when you're decorating, you're like, okay, here's a $2,000 sofa yeah. and here's a $5,000 sofa. Yeah. Let's talk about the differences and why, you know, one is made in China. Yeah. Right. Like in a factory and the yeah. other one is made in America and well, or in Canada, like, you know, eight way yeah. hand tie with this type of seat. We get to customize everything as far as like the seat depth and, you know, the width of the sofa and yeah. And this is why it costs more. And they're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. You talk to them about like, you know, same things with, you know, tiles and ovens and all kinds of stuff. And they're like, okay, well, now I can kind of see why the cost is associated like this. And I want to spend the money or I don't. Exactly. And at least you, again, manage their expectations on what they're going to get if they do go the cheap route. Yeah. Well, oh my God, Jacob, thank you so much for being here with me today. And honestly, again, thank you for helping me out the other day. So, oh, my update to that, I was going to give you my update. Yeah, yeah what happened? I got, I got two other contractors that I had come in yesterday. So I'm going to wait and get quotes from them for a similar okay. scope. And then I'm basically just going to... Dave and I, my partner, had a, a nice little conversation last night. Like, what's our number here? Like, what if, yeah. what if it turns out that everybody quotes the exact same thing? It basically means we're the ones who are wrong. We're like the client right now, right? Like, I'm like my worst. It's, this is a great opportunity for you, right? <laughs> yeah. And so, um, so we talked about that and kind of like, you know, what we're going to do. So I'm very curious to see where these quotes come in. And I think the... I think the thing for Dave and I that was, um, and I think for any client, and it's like, I am the client right now almost. So I'm like responding the way a client would respond. And I'm actually yeah. taking note. So I'm, resp- I'm taking note. Now you're talking like your process down. Yeah. Like and think like, about everything you're doing and be like, okay, how do I turn this into a process that I can translate to a new client? Exactly. But not only that, the, the quote that I got I have like ghosted this guy. Oh, really? Well, I mean, I replied a few days later. We were a bit sticker shocked. And then I said, I'm basically stalling because I'm getting new quotes. (laughs) Yeah. 
But I basically just said, hey, like, well, Dave was out of the city uh, last weekend and I was sick for a while there. So I just kind of said that. But but I've also not responded to him. And it, and it got me thinking about when I send a proposal and I get nothing in return. That is probably them, well, being busy, but also it could be sticker shock, which is, and not knowing what to do next. Like, mm-hmm. it was way more than I thought. Now I don't know how to respond. So I'm finding that to be very interesting. But um, but anyways, oh, it's exactly that, though. My plan is to kind of document the whole process for, like, do a YouTube series of, like, yeah. my renovation at home and a lot of Instagram stories. But And then, yes, hopefully noting what I do right and wrong so that I can tighten that up if I do decide to do well, it. Well, when it comes time to and you're ripping your house apart and you feel like you're stuck, you can always call me, right? Oh, like, you. <laughs> if you're working on two parts you reach out to me too for anything. Yeah. I always, I mean, like window treatments are my nemesis, I feel. Um, I feel like that's way? like, huh? In what way? I like, there's like, uh, like, I always feel like, you know, of course I have people come out and measure and like give me quotes on fabric. There's like, if I had to do it myself, like quoting the right amount of fabric and then trying to get trims. It's like, okay, do I want them to be 150% fullness or 200% fullness? Like, is it a two finger pleat or a three finger pleat? Like what's best for this fabric? Yeah. And I don't like window treatments are always like my nemesis. They do turn out. Okay. But I feel like I always just kind of get into it. And I'm like, Oh God, it's freaking curtains again. And I, I do. Something wrong is going to happen. Yeah. Well, I've had a situation where, one of my clients' drapes have grown twice now. We, I had to have them hemmed, send them yeah. back, have them hemmed, and I just had to send them back again. And the issue with that right now is that while the vendor, the, my, my workroom, is mm-hmm. going to hem them for free, I still had to hire the guy to go get them. Yeah. So I'm thinking, you know what? I need to find a workroom that offers that service, that service that's willing to go pick them up when that goes wrong because they yeah. didn't tell me that was going to, you know, because there's these other, while, like, it's just, cause I'm sorry. I don't know if you've ever tried to hang the, like with rings, like oh yeah, I'm taking that down myself. I'm not putting that up myself. I'm just going to do something and to completely ruin them. The first time I did custom curtains, um, it was like, I'd spent like $1,300 on a set of drapes it was like the most money I'd ever spent of a client on, on drapes. And I was like, Oh my God. And I was like, like, okay, insulation is going to be $200. And I was like, no, I'll just do it myself. (laughs) Never, never again. I was like, I was up there. I was there like measuring, you know, cause you don't want to screw it up. So you're like measuring the curtain and I'm measuring the ring to see like what the exact height is and measuring the bar and I'm putting it up there. And I was by myself because I'm like a one man team. Totally. And I didn't have an assistant with me. So I'm up there like doing it by myself. I was there for like two and a half hours hanging these freaking curtains. And I was like, I should have paid that dude. And and if you think about your hourly rate, like now, especially, right. It's like that. It's the same thing for art for me. Like I used to hang art myself. I used to do gallery walls myself. And now I'm like, where's the art installer. Yeah. (laughs) I, they're going to, sure. You know what? If you don't want to pay for it, I'm sorry. Like I am not a professional art installer. You don't, that's not what you, I'm here for. You're, but for, yeah. you're going to pay like, an art installer. Exactly. So here, and here's how I, whenever my clients are like, oh, there's an art installer involved with this. And I was like, look, let me break this down for you. I was <laughs> like, I'm billing you $125 an hour. They bill yeah. you $20 a piece, right? Yeah like a $35 trip charge. Yeah. So I'm like, do you want me to spend 
four hours. Because it's not my skill set. Right, because that's how long it probably will take me. Plus you have, you know, plus all the other art in the house. Yeah. You know, or do you want, like, I can be doing, you know, managing the install of the bedding and the pillows and the rug placement while my art installer is doing what he does best. Yeah. And he's going to bill you less per time. So I can use my expertise where where it should be, you know, right? And leave the good, you know, leave the art to the person who's good at it. And they're like, Uh, oh, okay. I'm like, yeah, I'm saving you money. And they're like, oh, I never thought about it like this. I'm like, this is why I bring them on. (laughs) that art is not going to fall down exactly <laughs> and smash that happened to me oh my god that, see that, that's when, like it terrifies it me yeah it's terrible like, yeah no that's what I'm like I bring it I try to bring on again this is like in the very beginning I was kind of like oh, I'll do everything myself and I'll pick out you know I'll find all the faucets and the lighting and you know now I'm like okay who can I call that can use their expertise that way I can focus on my expertise yeah it just makes things run so much smoother and you feel more confident and result is better. Yeah. It's just about how you relate to your clients of like why there's this cost in there. Exactly. In the end, they're usually fine with it. Totally. And yeah. if you're not like next. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. I mean, you have to find people who like the biggest thing is like finding people who appreciate working with you. Yeah. Makes the biggest it, yeah. difference and fire the clients that don't. Yep, exactly. That's terrible, but I mean, sometimes you have to. You do. I haven't technically done that yet, really, but it's like I should have a few times. That's a, that's a whole other podcast. We'll talk totally. about that. Totally. Oh, my God. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much, Jacob. Why um, don't you tell everybody where they can sp- uh, follow you on social media and what your website is? So my website is medinadesignsinc.com, although I'm in the middle of a rebrand. So in a couple, I don't know when this is going to air. Um, Probably may, in the next three weeks, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. So it'll be medinadesignsinc.com and you can find me on Instagram at Jacob Medina Designs with an S. So hopefully in the next um, couple of months, all of those handles and websites and everything will be all under one name. That way it's all under one brand. Yes. Just do this next couple of months with the graphic designer and all those things. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. I have loved talking to you and hopefully we can do this again. Yeah, I will love that. Thank you so much for having me on. And I'll, I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks, whenever your house gets ripped apart, right? Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> all right. Bye. Okay. Bye. So how awesome was Jacob? I mean, that was a long one and I, we, we kept talking for probably another half hour to 45 minutes. We had a lot to say. He's my new design BFF from afar, which is always fun. Um, I suspect that we will chat again for the podcast. So um, if you guys liked this episode, please be sure to subscribe. I would love it too if you left a review because it really does help the podcast get seen so that other people, other designer colleagues will have the opportunity to see it. And if you're interested in kind of more behind the scenes stuff with regards to my business and the ups and the downs, then go check out Business Homies on Facebook. It's my Facebook group. Um, And if you are requesting access, please be sure to answer the questions. It's very rare that I will accept anyone who hasn't answered the questions because a lot of the times I don't find that the Facebook profile pages are obvious enough that you're a designer. And I'm really 
trying to protect that group to make sure it's really just designers. I'm not allowing, for the most part, industry experts or people who are trying to work with designers. I'm trying to keep it very clean so that it's really just a bunch of us who are interested in learning more and improving our businesses and sharing our journeys along the way. So check it out. And next week, I will be sharing with you yet another amazing podcast. Thanks so much. Bye, homies. Bye.